hear the word of the Lord from Numbers 9, verses 15 through 23. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and it appeared like fire above the tabernacle from evening until morning. It remained that way continuously. The cloud would cover it, appearing like fire at night. Whenever the cloud was lifted up above the tent, the Israelites would set out. At the place where the cloud stopped, there the Israelites camped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at the Lord's command, they camped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they camped. Even when the cloud stayed over the tabernacle many days, the Israelites carried out the Lord's requirement and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud remained over the tabernacle for only a few days. They would camp at the Lord's command and set out at the Lord's command. Sometimes the cloud remained only from evening until morning. When the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it remained a day and a night, they moved out when the cloud lifted. Whether it was two days, a month, or longer, the Israelites camped and did not set out as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. But when it was lifted, they set out. They camped at the Lord's command, and they set out at the Lord's command. They carried out the Lord's requirement according to his command through Moses. May God bless the reading of his word. You want to follow along? We're in uh, number six. We've been doing this series, looking at different scenes from the life of Moses and talking about what it, uh, what it has to do with us today, how it's relevant to today. Now, have you ever asked the question, or even if you felt in your heart, where are you, Lord? You ever felt abandoned? You ever felt lonely? You ever felt like, does he see me right now? Or how about this? Have you ever asked the question, what do you want me to do? Have you asked that question? All right, some people here real. Yeah, yeah, I've asked that question. What am I supposed to do right now? This passage is about the Lord's guidance. How does he guide? How does he lead? And from this passage, we can see that the Lord gives us signs of his presence and signs of his guidance. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you would open up the scriptures, that we would understand what they are saying. Lord God, that we would hear your voice through the scriptures, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord God, that you would prompt love in our hearts for you, that you would prompt obedience in our hearts for you. Lord, we give you this time. We ask you that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what's going on in the text? So this is the story of how Moses and the Israelites, they're traveling, trying to get to the promised land. There have been a, a lot of significant events that led up to this point, a lot of significant deliverances, also a lot of significant failures, but now they are ready to start moving towards the promised land. And I think that they may have been tempted to wonder if, is the same Lord that was with us in the Exodus, is he still with us now? 
I saw his signs and his powers as he defeated Pharaoh and the Egyptians. I, I saw some things, but now we're going on to, to unknown territory, uncharted territory. Is he still with us? And from the text, we have this promise that God's presence is always with his people. On verse, in verse 15, it says, On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and it appeared like fire above the tabernacle from evening until morning. It remained that way continuously. The cloud would cover it, appearing like fire at night. So this cloud and this fire, it was the sign of God's presence. And if ever a day they're like, is God here? Is he here? Does he hear me? Is he taking care of me? They can open their eyes and see, oh, look at the tabernacle. There's a thing over there. <laughs> Therefore, he is with me. God wanted his newly freed and saved people to be assured of his presence. That is a kindness from him. Now, remember, they, they are newly free. They, they're, they're, they're new in their relationship with, with God. And a lot of times, this, this tangible presence of God is felt, particularly by people who are new to the faith. I remember when, when I was new to following the Lord, and y'all, I felt the Lord all the time. I was like, let's go. Like, he's real. God, God shows his face to promote trust. But here's the deal. As we grow, sometimes God withdraws the sense of his presence in order to mature us. I didn't say he withdraws his presence. I said the sense of his presence. It keeps us attentive. If you've ever felt distance from the Lord, does it not make you want to seek him? It keeps us humble. When I first came to the Lord, I was energetic and I was prideful. I felt a lot about myself, man. Look, look how much the Lord has shown me. I say, said some things to people that at the time it seemed like it was right, and it might have been right technically, <laughs> but it was not nice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When the Lord withdraws the sense of his presence, it is a maturing process. So, so, so listen, listen, if you've been walking with the Lord and you're like, I don't feel him like I used to. That does not mean he has abandoned you. I was actually having a conversation with a, with a brother last week, and, and he was just talking about, I mean, I wish I had the fire I had when I first started walking with the Lord. But then he talked about how, but, but it makes me want to read the scripture more, and I need, I need to get around people that would encourage me. I need to get around those who would speak God's word to me. I don't feel them like I used to, but I, I want to. That, that drive is a gift from the Lord. Now, here's the deal. Whether we feel it or not, Jesus promises that he will always be with us. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, the, his promise is trustworthy and true, even if you cannot feel it. I remember there was a, there was a time where I had to sleep train my baby. That's a hard thing to sleep train your baby, all right? So, you know, the baby's in it, and, and he just look, he looking. I remember that my, first, uh, my first son, he was being sleep trained, and you kind of have to back up, and the baby's all mad, right? Like, I can't believe you did that, you know? <laughs> You've abandoned me. And, and, and so, so I remember uh, he was in his little, his little crib, and, you know, you feel, if it's your first child, you feel all bad about leaving them, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm laying on the floor, <laughs> 
So I'm laying on the floor listening for him, to him to see if he calms down. And he is just, ah, you know, he's going crazy because he can't feel or see my presence, yet I am there. And the reason I backed up, the reason that, that he couldn't see me is so that he could mature, so that he can learn to sleep. It's not that I didn't like him, therefore I backed up. I backed up because I was trying to teach him something. Thankfully, he goes to sleep. The question is, how would you live if Christ were physically present with you? If I saw, if, if Jesus was by my side, I'd feel real bold, all right? If Jesus was by my side, I also feel like I'd try to obey a little bit more, huh? If Jesus was by my side, I feel like I'd say the things that I feel like I ought to say. Listen, the reality, Christian, is that though you cannot physically see him, he is present with you all the time by the Spirit. The question is, or the statement, a lot of times we fear trials and suffering because we're like, where, where is he? Where is he? Remember that, that time in the scriptures where, where the, the disciples are on the boat, right? And there's a storm coming, and Jesus is sleeping. And they're like, ah, what are you doing, Jesus? Do you not see? And Jesus is like, chill, I'm right here, chill. Listen, how, how bold would we be if we understood the presence of Jesus Christ was with us, even at the worst of times? How comforted, how encouraged that is the, the struggle of faith and the encouragement to you today is that no matter what you're facing, no matter what trial, no matter what suffering, no matter what obstacle, Christ Jesus is with you. We go on in the text and we get that, this idea that God's people should go wherever he directs. Verse 17, whenever the cloud was lifted up above the tent, the Israelites would set out. At the place where the cloud stopped, there the Israelites camped. Now that seems like super simple. You know, like they, they move, then they move. But here's, here's the deal. It's like 600,000 people, okay? 600,000 people, and it's like, let's go today. You ever tried to get out the door? You know what I'm saying? Like, like there, was, there was some, it wasn't just like, oh, it's time to move today. It's like, doggone it. I got to pack up my stuff again. Stop playing with that. Put that in the bag. Let's go. There had to be preparation and orderly execution, Right? You can't just go, just, you know, it's, it's actually, it costs something. I've moved a lot in my life, and I don't want to move no more, okay? I'm tired of moving furniture. I, I'm, ti- I'm tired, all right? Moving a single family it takes, a, takes a lot of effort. But at the, at the word of the Lord, 600,000 people would pack their stuff and get ready to go. That was not an easy thing to do. And sometimes following God is not easy. He calls his people to radical obedience. Right? He calls Moses to lead this people. And Moses says, you know, they stiff neck, right? <laughs> they not going to listen. God's like, still, you got to lead them. He tells the apostles, yo, I want you to go make disciples of all nations. They're like, I, I didn't just left Galilee three years ago. Like, he tells his people to obey him. And a lot of times those commands, they could be frightful. They could be like, well, I don't know what that looks like. It could be uh, uh, going into the unknown. And the reality is our decisions that are inspired by God will not always make sense to others. So the question is, will we follow him where he leads, even if it costs? Increasingly, there is a higher social cost to following Christ in our culture. 
increasingly, we're going to be at odds with people who think you, your beliefs are outdated. Increasingly, people are going to be frustrated, not simply that, that we disagree, but that we even hold the belief that we do. The world says that there are many ways that Jesus says he is the way. Yeah? I know there are people in this room who have had to distance themselves from close friends to walk with the Lord. I know that to be a fact. They said, listen, I want to follow. They said, Pastor, I want to follow the Lord, but I can't hang out with so-and-so. And it cost them. There, there is a cost. And listen, I, I want to say this, church. If people are going to be ostracized by others for following the Lord, then we better provide a good alternative community. Right? If, if, if others are going to reject people who follow Christ, then we better accept them. Listen, following Jesus oftentimes is uncomfortable and puts you at odds with others. Nevertheless, will we follow him anyway? When we get to verse 20, we learn that God's people must learn patience and the ability to wait on the Lord. Verse 20, sometimes the cloud remained over the tabernacle for only a few days. They would camp at the Lord's command and set out at the Lord's command. Sometimes the cloud remained only from evening until morning. When the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it remained a day and a night, they moved out when the cloud lifted. Whether it was two days, a month, or longer, the Israelites camped and did not set out as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. Listen, imagine the frustration of not knowing what you're going to do that day. You wake up, you're like, is today today? Are we about to? Oh, it's not today. Let's chill. Is it tomorrow? It could be. Is it next month? I don't know. Waking up every day not knowing exactly which, which like if he leaves, if he says go this way, we, we have to go this way. The, the reality is, is we like to have very clear plans, do we not? Part of the frustration of following the Lord is that sometimes we don't have the mid-range plan. A lot of times what's immediately, like what's immediately in front, in front of you, you know, right? So if I'm at home and, and I say something mean to my wife and my kids, I know the Lord wants me to apologize, okay? I don't have to question that. And then at the end of the day, I know that, hey, Jesus is going to set all things right. He's going to heal all this brokenness and he's going to redeem me. But, but in between today and that day, I don't exactly always know what it is that I ought to do. Listen, listen. We know often what to do today and often what the future, the end will look like, but what about tomorrow or next year? We must learn to wait on the Lord. That is the pattern of God's people in the scriptures. They are awaiting people. Get this. Jesus Christ comes into the world and he waits for 30 years to start doing the ministry that God has given him. I can imagine him seeing pain and confusion and, and people are like saying wrong things about God. He's like, I actually know what to say, but, but the Father says, I want you to wait. It's not the time quite yet. This is the pattern of our lives. Have you ever been in a season of your life where you were just ready to move to the next thing, but you didn't know exactly what the next thing was? I have been in some seasons where I'm like, I don't like what's going on, but I don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm here. I, I hope that the Lord moves on soon because I don't like it. Now, here's the deal. I've been in those seasons of life where I just start creating stuff myself. And I just start spinning my wheels trying to, trying to run in front of the Lord. And I find myself even more frustrated than when I began. 
Listen, if we rush, we leave without his presence. But if we wait, we can wait in the comfort of his presence. I've told y'all many times before, some of the lowest points of my life, though they were not enjoyable, I remember the Lord's presence that comforted me. Listen, if we wait on the Lord, we're not going to control how fast he decides to do what he's going to do, but we can trust that he will be present with us in the waiting. We get down to verse 23, we get, we get this idea that we must obey God through his appointed leader. Look at verse 23. They camped at the Lord's command and they set out at the Lord's command. They carried out the Lord's requirement according to his command through Moses. Now, I feel like one thing that seems somewhat easy for the Israelites, you're like, what is God saying? Say, I don't know, go talk to Moses. He probably knows. Now, wouldn't it be nice if there was just this guy, like, I know, I know, I know he's going to say what's right. Moses spoke with God and reported all that he heard. And you're like, I wish we had Moses. <laughs> but y'all, we do. Our appointed leader is Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. When, when, when uh, Jesus was transfigured in front of the disciples, when, when there was this, this situation where he took James, uh, John, and Peter, and he says, yo, go wait here. I'm going to go on this mountain. I'm going to talk with God. And as he was talking, it says that his, his countenance changed. And there was, there was this shiny radiance. Luke 9, 34 says, while he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them. They became afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, the chosen one, listen to him. Now you might have read that out of context, like that's interesting that there's a cloud there, but read it into the context of what we just read. What does the cloud represent? The presence of God, yeah? That God is there to speak. And he, God has demonstrated, hey, the person that you need to go to, the one who speaks my word infallibly is Jesus Christ. And he literally says it, this is my son, Listen to him. In Hebrews 1, it says, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has given us this appointed leader. See, Christ is God's presence with us. Christ is God's word to us. We can look to Christ to be assured that the Father does not leave us and that by his grace, he will lead us correctly. And so if you don't know Christ, I would encourage you to come to him. Trusting in him is the means of assurance of God's gracious presence and guidance. There's a lot of angst in this age. Y'all know what angst is? Uh, y'all feel that? You don't feel, if you don't feel it, go on social media. All right, there's a lot of, ah, what, uh, what about this? What about that? Listen, listen, listen. The means to find rest and assurance that God is with you is in Christ. So if you pursue him, God assures you of his presence, and God gives you clear direction. But let's, let's let the, the rubber meet the, the road. How does Christ demonstrate his presence to his people? How does Christ demonstrate his presence to his people? I've got, got a couple different things. The first one is Christ demonstrates his presence to his people through the preached word. Have you ever been sitting somewhere, maybe you listening to a sermon, and you're like, how did he know that about me? 
He probably didn't. He's just preaching the word, right? But, 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 but like the text of scripture is explained and your heart is revealed. And you're like, oh, snap. That's to me. You ever felt that? Listen, listen. God assures us of his presence through people who proclaim the word. When the, 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 the way to describe this preaching in, in the New Testament is that the apostles went about and proclaimed the word of the Lord. His presence always accompanies his word. This old preacher uh, named Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, the chief end of preaching is to give men and women a sense of the presence of God. You ever felt that? When someone's preaching, like, oh, snap, he's here. When Christ explained the scriptures to his disciples, there's, there's this part in, in, the, in the scriptures where Jesus has risen from the dead, but he hasn't yet revealed uh, that he's risen from the dead. And the disciples are all like, where is Jesus? You know, they're feeling all, they're in the feelings and stuff. And then they're walking with Jesus on this road toward Emmaus, right? And, and they're like, did you, did you hear about Jesus who was crucified? And, and Jesus was there, but, but they, didn't, they didn't quite t- tell who he was. And he's like, why don't you tell me about it? So they tell him about Jesus being crucified. And then the Bible says that Jesus began to explain explain to them about from the scriptures everything concerning himself. Now eventually they realized he was Jesus, but the idea is that it says, says, were not our hearts burning within us when he explained the scriptures to us? It wasn't just an intellectual exercise that as Jesus was explaining the scriptures, as, as people who are faithful to the scriptures explain the scriptures, God in his grace comes with his presence. It is through the preached word that the gospel is made clear. And in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. If you pay attention, it's, who, who's doing the pleading? Who's pleading this reconciliation? Well, well the, the apostles are pleading, but at the same time, God is making his appeal through the one who is proclaiming. God is speaking to us presently through his word. That is how he reveals his presence. How else does, does, does Christ reveal his presence to us? How can we be assured? I'm, I'm going to say something that might be a little strange in our circles, but one of the means through which we are assured of Christ's presence is through this thing called sacraments. Say sacrament. sacrament. All right. Somebody like, well, sucker, who, what? You know, like, what am I talking about? Sacraments or ordinances. These are these, these, these acts that Christ commanded us to do through which we remember what he has done in the gospel. That's, that's the Lord's Supper, and we're going to see a baptism today. That, that, listen, listen. In, in one of the, the old catechisms, it says, it says, the sacraments are sacred signs and seals set before our eyes and ordained of God for this purpose. Listen, that he may declare and confirm by them the promise of his gospel to us. That he freely forgives our sins. And that there's life everlasting to everyone who, in particular who believes in the sacrifice of Christ. Now, back in the day when people used to write letters to it, you remember you used to write letters? All right, so back in the day when people used to write letters, if you would have a letter from someone that you loved, you would, you would read it, right? And you weren't just, you weren't, you, probably, you read it already, though. Sometimes you would read it over and over and over again, right? And it wasn't simply that, I wonder what they said. You know what it said. You know what it said. But when you read it, do you not feel the presence? 
That's why you read it over and over again. Listen, listen, the, 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 the baptism of the Lord's Supper are these physical, visible words from the Lord that he says, I am with you. Christ reveals himself through the things that he instituted. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not sharing in the body of Christ? He's saying these things, they are natural, and I've given them to you so that you would be assured that God is present with you. So we got the word, we got the sacraments, and the last thing we got, how do we know he's here? The spirit, y'all. The Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. The activity of God's spirit in the hearts of his children, that's evidence that God is present with you. Now listen, we don't feel God's spirit the same way every day, but there are times, right? If y'all been walking the Lord, there are times when you feel his nearness. I, I was in my office on Friday and I was just saying some regular prayers, and I felt the nearness of God. I thought, he is so kind to show me his nearness. All right, so that answers the first question. How do we know he's here? Through the priest's word, through the sacraments, through the spirit. Okay, how does he guide us? We know he's here. How do we know what to do? The first thing is what I want to call apostolic doctrine. It's, it's the doctrine that the, that the, the apostles taught. There's this consistent warning against false teaching, which leads to action that displeases the Lord. Doctrine gives us guardrails for our actions. A lot of times people are like, should I do X, Y, and Z? Sometimes I don't have to pray about what they're asking me because it's clear in the scriptures. Right? You don't have to ask God about that. He already said that. We don't have to, no, no, no. Should, you know, should you leave your wife? Probably not. I mean, the Bible, you know, like, the Bible's really clear about that. You know, like, we don't have to, we don't have to intercede. Listen, listen, God gives us the, the doctrines of the Scripture to give us a clear path. And too many people ask for what is hidden while ignoring what is revealed. Okay? People are like, well, should I, what should I do? I'd be asking simple questions like, well, do you read your Bible? Well, no. Nah. Start there, bro. You know, <laughs> like, start there. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Do you ever go to church? Well, sometimes. Okay, well, okay, well let's pause. Do what's clear. <laughs> like, you, listen, when you're giving instructions to somebody, if they, ain't, if they ain't obeyed the first instruction, you're not about to go to the next one. Right? <laughs> like, you ain't even listening. So, oh, listen, listen, listen. I mean, this, is, this, is just, this is real, real easy. But, like, how do we know what the Lord wants us to do? The doctrines that the Scriptures teach us. Psalm 119, 160, it says, The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. Biblical doctrine guides us into what is right. So biblical doctrine, how do we, we know what we want to do? Providence. Proverbs 21.1, it says, A king's heart is like channeled water in the Lord's hands. He directs it wherever he chooses. Sometimes we get real frustrated when a door closes that we really wanted to walk through. And I'm telling you, that's the Lord. <laughs> yeah? The king, the one, the, I think about the one who makes decisions. That's the king. The one who makes the decisions about what happens to you is like channeled water in the Lord's hands. So we can entrust ourselves to him when doors close that we thought we wanted to walk through because it says that the person's heart who, who closed the door, that, that was like water in his hands. 
Proverbs 16, it says, a person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. That is so comforting to me when I feel confused. I feel like sometimes we think about God's will, and we think like it's the secret that he's trying to keep from us. And it's like, ah, you know? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not. Listen, if, if, with, if with sincerity and obedience to the scripture, you are trying to go where God wants you to go, listen, he gonna guide you. You don't have to be like, is it what I did? No, 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 no. You entrust yourself to his providence. How do we know how the Lord is guiding? I'm going to say this real carefully. I need to explain this. The promptings of the Holy Spirit in the community of the church. In Acts 13, there's this clear direction that God gives some of the leaders at the church in Antioch. Acts 13, too. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them to. Now listen. It's not like Paul was by himself, and he got this word by himself, and then he came and announced what he was going to do. And it, it, that's actually not what happened. The Holy Spirit prompts the heart, and the community of faith affirms or does not affirm by bearing witness. How much foolishness would be avoided if people tested what they thought the Lord was saying by just sharing it with a Christian brother and sister? Sometimes people be saying to the Lord, so I'm like, the Lord, he did not tell you to do that. I know he didn't, like, tell us, I don't think he said that. That's probably not what he said. The scriptural idea of being prompted by the Spirit has the expectation that you are discerning how God is leading you through the community of the church. You know, sometimes I, I you know, they, they got the Bible app, you version, and it should be called y'all version because most of the time you is in, is in the Bible, is y'all, but they're not Southern, so they say you. Okay, listen, listen. The commands of Scripture are directed to us. They're directed to the community. Not primarily to you as an individual. There is safely, if you feel like the Lord is prompting you to do something, share it with brothers and sisters in the faith who love you, who can say, I think, I think that that seems right. Or, I don't know, man, you might want to wait, might want to pump the brakes. So we don't just get up and say, I think, no, no, we, we, we say, hey, other people who have the Holy Spirit, does this sound right? <laughs> you feel me? All right, so listen, what does this call us to do? What does number six, and all this call us to do? And number six, it was not up to only one person by themselves to determine if the cloud or the fire had been moved, right? If somebody came up and they're like, it left, other people could be like, it didn't, though. You know, like, we all have to look together. You know, somebody was having a really delusional day, like, well, the mic over there is tripping. Uh, it ain't moved. Everybody can see it's over there. We don't need to go anywhere right now. Listen, listen, there is safety in making decisions in the community of the church. We sometimes do not have clear direction because we do not seek the counsel and the safety of God's people. We have to have relationships that can hold us accountable to obeying what is clear from the Lord and can be sounding boards for his leadership. That's, listen, that's the story of, of, of how, this, how I decided to plant a church. I, I just wasn't one day, I'm going to do, do this thing. I remember when, when me and my family, we were missionaries uh, in Asia, and I felt like the Lord was prompting us to start a church here. 
And I, call, I called, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't want to. I was happy where I was. I, I, I called some pastors here in the city, and I was like, I'm, I wonder if they think it's necessary. And I thought they was going to say no. Every single one of them was like, yes, you need to come. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> well, I better go and go. <laughs> or how about this? I remember, how does, how does he lead through uh, Providence? I, I had this big, West Greenville was kind of big, y'all, Western Greenville. I was like, Lord, where in Western Greenville should I go? And y'all, the Lord gave me the vision of this intersection between uh, Anderson and Whitehorse. That's why, that's why we even started doing stuff in Carolina. And then, y'all, the first building that was given to us was right there. <laughs> the Lord confirmed it through providence. I was like, oh, it looks like that is what, what we ought to be doing. And I know the scriptures are pretty clear about planting churches and preaching the gospel. That isn't, that isn't always the quickest decision, but it's a safe one. We filter what we're, we think we're hearing from the Lord through the apostolic doctrine and through the community of the church. That's why at our church we have these things called growth groups. The idea is that you would be in relationship with people that when you feel like the Lord is prompting you, you can go, hey, what do you think? We don't have to hold our stuff secret. We don't need to hold our stuff secretly. We're too secretive in our society. No, we need the community of the church. We need these intentional relationships that, so that we can discern correctly. Because again, it's not just one person saying, is the cloud gone? Everybody had to affirm the thing. So y'all, that, that, that's, that's my encouragement to you. Listen, Jesus Christ is present with us. He shows his presence through the preached word. He shows his presence through the sacraments. He shows his presence through the spirit. And Jesus Christ presently guides us. He guides us through biblical doctrine, through providence, and through the promptings of the spirit tested in the community. So y'all, we, we, you might look at number six and think, well, that's real cool that they had that. I wish I had that. You do. You do. You do have the assurance that Jesus is with you, and you do have the assurance that Jesus is guiding you. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy revealed in the Scriptures. Lord, Lord, you, you by your grace, give us signs and evidences of your presence. You give us clarity about where we should go. And even when we have to wait, you give us the assurance of your presence. So, Lord, I pray that we would be a church that would be attentive to the leadings of the Spirit. That we would hold the Scriptures high and say, this is how you speak. And Lord, that we would be willing to go where you tell us to go, to speak the words that you have for us to speak. Lord, I praise you that you have been so kind to reveal your love to us in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.